Hey TV fans, I am here to talk about another episode of Yellow Jackets. So today, with a couple of special guests, I'm going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 3, which is called The Dollhouse. So if you would like to introduce yourselves, special guests. Sounds good. Thank you, Keith. I am Media Melanie of the Yellow Jackets Hive uh, podcast, uh, along with my co-host. I'm Emily. And uh, we've been podcasting about Yellow Jackets now for some months. Um, we obviously love the show. We both got into it kind of early and um, cannot wait for season two. I mean, it premieres on March 24th, which is about a month away. And gosh, with all of the teasers and trailers coming out, it's been super exciting speculating on you know what we're going to see in season two. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So thanks for joining me today. This should be a good discussion. There's quite a bit to talk about with this episode. But just before we start, just a little bit about what attached you to the show, what really stood out and what are your memories of seeing it for the first time? Actually, just like stumbled across it on accident. Like I was watching TV one night and the pilot happened to be on like I think they aired it like two weeks early like as like a special preview and I watched it and I was immediately hooked from like the first two minutes of the show like it reeled me in with that scene of the girl falling into the pit and I was a week-to-week viewer of the show from the very beginning so I've been in the trenches since since Yellow Jacket started and I've loved every minute of it. In the pit, if you will, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, for me, I started watching it after it had started airing, but I got into it because I was watching Dexter New Blood, and then I saw the commercials and was like, mm-hmm. wow, this looks right up my alley. Um, the pilot just drew me right in. I'm a huge fan of the 90s. Um, I used to produce and sometimes co-host the 90210 show, so, like, Teen dramas are big, you know, big in my world, the 90s, all the nostalgia, and just that opening pit girl scene for me, like, I I mean, like, I've never seen anything like that before. It drew me right in. And the 90s bangers on the pilot, probably one of my favorite things. Like, I love the 90s music in Yellow Jackets, too. I agree. Put it on catch up, which I think is one of the good things about this era, then, like, everything is available now if you don't see it live because yeah. in the past you had to wait like months and months to to get a chance to see it if you, you didn't catch it on tv like you would probably have to wait ages for the vhs or, or whatever the case may be or maybe reruns or something but the mouth hit where i started hearing people talk about it and i thought okay yeah i think i need to check this one out and gems in the casting as well like people had not even heard of so they get a good balance between like well-known actors, but also like newer, fresher actors. Yeah, um, that's very true. Yeah, and season two, like big pickup with Elijah Wood, right? I mean, that's, up, yeah. that is a huge addition to the cast. And yeah. Lauren Ambrose. Oh my yeah. gosh, Lauren oh, Ambrose yeah. Well, too. that's the big one for me. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, yeah. Six feet under. Whew. Love yeah, that's that, one yeah. of my favourite shows ever. So it's a Taisha themed episode. And we actually get three different timelines with her in this episode. 
because in 96 in the wilderness she actually makes the decision that they then the group should go to the lake and there's a bit of a, a debate between the various members whether they should they actually take a vote on it and Shona is the decisive vote which means it goes to Aisha's way and they go off to the lake and later on the cabin and some of the events in the cabin actually correlate with Taisha's past because another timeline we see a very young Taisha and witnessing her nana's death which definitely there's some implications of supernatural stuff at play in that scene I think but it's Absolutely. a nice it's a nice tie in with then what Lottie and Taisha find in the attic later on in 96. Yeah. And obviously then in the present 2021, Taisha's main political rival, Phil, posts a very nasty attack ad describing her as a cannibal, the douche. So <laughs> I mean, it was clever to give him credit, but, you know, a little, little yeah. much, right? little much. Yeah. When consider her strategy in response to that, whether like thoughts of like maybe even pulling out of the race, but how is she going to handle it? And that decision becomes even more complicated when her son starts acting aggressive. And then we get a bit more with Shona and her marriage situation. She tracks Jeff to a hotel, suspect, suspecting cheating on her, and then stalker alert because Adam shows up out of the blue. A <laughs> woman with with Jeff, she seems to think then that that confirms her suspicions. So she's happy to pursue stalker boy and, and that old fling. And we also get more on the road trip, obviously, with Natalie and with Misty. Misty. Yeah. Get locked up. It's actually not Taisha who bails them out. It's actually Kevin in the end. And Misty puts that in motion, stirring the pot there, Misty, as always. Yeah, I think your point about it being Taisha-focused is is you know very impactful we see a lot of eye references like you know mm. we see the eye references with manny and sammy's doll we see it with her nana uh, we see the man with no eyes so you know there's something with like the metaphor of like sight or or something yeah. that's going on yeah. there Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of interesting but Mis misty and nat and their road trip is is interesting too because of the timing right like emily and i were just discussing it like how did the police know you know when to come there like when they were breaking in and then also to his work yeah. when they found his body like how did they get that information the timing is very strange much like the adam and shauna timing right yeah yeah there's lots of coincidence in in this episode and and some of them we may get answered later some we may not some might just hang there because yeah. Definitely at this point in the season, they're throwing up all sorts of red herrings, people who could be connected or could not be. When they're in the car and uh, Natalie or Misty is texting Kevin pretending to be Natalie and <laughs> she she says something along the lines of like, I know I, dating at our age is pointless because at our age, they're all like crumbs at the bottom of a chip bag. 
And then she laughs and she says, mostly. And Natalie looks at her and she's like, what, got a whole chip? (laughs) (laughs) There's the jerky line, too, which I love from them. I mean, there's a lot of good lines of dialogue in here. But when Misty gets the jerky, I feel like Natalie calling her out is, you know, a a slight foreshadowing of the cannibalism to come. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, why is she choosing jerky, though, after eating people? Seriously, you would think that they all would have gone like vegetarian. Well, some of them did. Some of them did. Misty definitely did not. No. (laughs) Misty in this episode, her using her her sort of obsession with true crime to advantage, like when they're looking around the house and she's talking about going through garbage, she's like throwing out statistics and (laughs) things and... So I think that's something that's very realistic about Misty's character and probably because she is a bit of a loner and underdog, that sort of character is more likely to maybe be drawn to that sort of macabre type subject, I feel maybe. And But yeah, it's good consistency that we see her using that in the scenes with Natalie and it's an exciting dynamic to watch unfold because they don't trust each other, but yet in a way they have no choice but to work with one another. Yeah. Because like, it's like like Misty said, it, I think in the first, no, it's in the second episode where like, like Natalie says, well, well, how do you, how how do you know I how do I know like you didn't send the postcard to yourself? And she says, well, I could say the same about you. So yeah, it's exactly. that I thing we'll just have to believe have to each other. Together. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun to watch. Travis's initially, like she was trying to like get them out of there. Like she was like, Nat, are you sure you want to go in? Don't you want to go like? get some wings or whatever like Mm -hmm. was she trying to stall or get her out of there like it's like she knew the police were coming right i mean i keep going back to that like the timing of the whole misty police nat travis thing to me like i can't get over it yeah And, and her finding the note that she finds there too like that note is so like it's it's that suspect like there's no other way to put it like she finds a note that says tell Nat she was right like and we've talked about this like a bunch like at first when I watched the show I thought that it meant tell Natalie that Natalie was right but the longer I thought about it like what if the she in the note isn't even referring to Natalie what if it's referring to someone else yeah. So it could be tell Natalie that Lottie was right about something. I don't know. Like, I'm just throwing an idea out there. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's possible because, like, I think it would be more suspenseful if, like, it wasn't literally what it says. Like, yeah. there would be more drama if, if, Certainly, if you could have more than one reading on it. Took it, and she used her citizen detectivery pencil <laughs> rubbing skills to even like discern that the message was under there. So, you know, someone did not want that note to be seen. Also, Taisa calls, or when Natalie calls Taisa when she's in jail to bail her out, Taisa's talking about Travis, and Taisa says he disappeared on you for a reason. Well, what was that reason? Like, what made Travis, like, 
changing your name and like disappearing from everyone you know like that takes a lot of like commitment and dedication to actually disappear so like was he just that traumatized by what happened to him out there or like did something else happen when they came back that made him want to move away and not Mm. have anybody know where he is I mean, something has to have triggered him, though, right? Because we saw the Polaroid of adult Nat and Travis together. Mm -hmm. So, like, we know they've seen each other. Misty doesn't know they've seen each other because she says, oh, you guys haven't seen each other in, what, 25 years? But, um, like, something has to have triggered that for him if they were actually in contact. And then he just goes dark. Like, you don't just go dark and turn into John Garcia at Willowbrook Ranch. Maybe the end scene versus the barn scene, just while we're on that stuff. Um, so what did you think when you first saw that scene? Did Were you with Natalie? Did you think there's something else going on? Or did you think it was maybe a suicide? Or where did you stand? I mean, I thought it was... I didn't think it was a suicide just because of, like, logistically, like, how would he have been able to string himself up like that from that equipment? Yeah. Exactly. That's what made me think it wasn't a suicide because that would be really hard to do to yourself. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And eventually we see like the wax marks, right? Like implying that there was some kind of ceremony or ritual or something, you know, that was done there. So unless it was a self-sacrifice, I, I, I got to think that he died at the hands of somebody else. It's a great gut punch at the end of the episode. I remember watching that for the first time and being, okay, oh, my God, I, I didn't see that coming. No. Yeah. No. No, not at all. see that. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, I mean, just for, like, a cliffhanger from an episode, that's one of the standout cliffhangers of the season, definitely. It, it might be the, be the best one, you know. It's certainly one of the best ones, I think. Aisha's character and what we see from her in this episode. Because... I like then they take a vote on whether to go to the lake or stay because that fits the fact that she's running for office in, in the present. So I like yeah. that. And she's a leader. Yeah. She, she, and that is a consistent theme with her where I sort of feel like she's the sort of one who's like more ruthless than you first realize. Like she's happy to be quite laid back and reserved. And then the, the the aggressive streak comes out of nowhere. Like she, because mm-hmm. I think about that, you know, when when she crippled um, Ali in in the pilot, the plan for that, like she decided, yeah. then she wasn't right for the team, and yeah, no one else would uh, like had the guts to do that really on on that team. Akila was like when Ty was doing her hair, or vice versa. You know, hmm. Akila said something like, you know, you're not as much of a bitch as all the JV girls make you out to be or something. So um, I mean, she's got a soft side, too, but she's also ruthless AF. It's very blunt the way she's talking to Natalie over the phone in that scene as well. So, yeah, I think that's maybe just her way of dealing with with the toughness of life. Maybe she does shut down a little bit and shut off emotions. And sometimes that's like in a way what you need for a political career but there's good and bad to that because obviously we see with her personal life 
she doesn't always handle the Sammy stuff the best. Like yeah, her reaction that. to him in the playground was like the wrong reaction. Yeah. So. Her priorities seem to be focused more on the campaign than on her family. And I think that's ultimately going to be her, you know, big downfall from her childhood in that third timeline with her grandma, you know, really kind of sets the table for her going into these fugue states. I feel like it's kind of teasing early, like her going into these, um, you know, these, these states that she goes into and it's been like a lifelong thing. So it's not something that was like specifically triggered from the trauma of the plane crash. It's something that she's in some capacity been experiencing these things, you know, her whole life. She's in control and she wields so much power over the rest of them just because she has more money. She has a bit more prestige and, and it's a nice reveal actually that then she's been, you know, the journalist who we thought was a journalist is actually her, her undercover detective who mm. she's been using to spy on the, on the other girls mm-hmm. as well as a political rival, but importantly, the rest of the group. So that's a nice reveal as well. Jessica Roberts is equivalent to, uh, she's like the Olivia Pope of Yellow Jackets. <laughs> I don't know if you watch Scandal, but. Um, I did see some of it, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. She's she's a, a, she's a good fixer. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Until, you know. Until she's not. <laughs> until, she, until she's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until yeah. she gets fixed. There's always, eventually there's a downfall with that sort of character, isn't there? Yeah. Stayed where the plane is, where the crash site is, and hope you get fined, or would you take the chance and go to the lake? Yeah. It just makes more sense, like, especially considering, like, they'd already been out there for three days at this point, and you, I mean, granted, this was back in 1996, so technology was a little bit different than it is now, but... They obviously expected to be found very quickly, and that obviously mm-hmm. didn't happen. So you're running out of resources. You don't really have any other option. You have to go to – you need water to survive. Like, you can survive without food for a lot longer than without water. So they were smart to make that decision to go to the lake because they knew that they needed water. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I would have gone to the lake too. Um, I think they did the right thing, you know, riding on the plane itself and they were able to get more supplies for like fire and all that stuff at the cabin. So I think it makes sense. But one thing that struck me is odd, right? When they're at the lake, they see the reflection. Lottie sees the reflection. Like what are the odds just at that like perfect time of day? Like they see the reflection. Was it there the whole time and she just happened to notice it or is it possible there was somebody up there like making it reflect? Cause when they're walking yeah. in this episode in the woods, like we see the camera perspective kind of shifting. Like there's another presence with them, like the, mm. the camera angles and the ominous music and stuff. Like, I don't know. Once they showtime said, you know, they weren't out there alone. I started thinking like, was that reflection? Did some, person make it reflect or maybe not maybe Lottie just happened to see it and the sun was shining in just the right spot I don't know but also like when they're when they show the cabin you can't see the lake from the cabin like in the show so Mm. where did that reflection actually come from 
Right. I mean, the plane's out in the woods, but I don't think that there's enough like refractory glass surfaces for a reflection of that nature to shine all the way down from up there yeah. down to the lake, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a Just long saying. shot. Yeah. Just saying. So that that could obviously point to it being something supernatural or like you said, maybe a coincidence. But I mean, yeah, definitely quite early on there's there's certain supernatural hints planted and, mm-hmm. and certainly it's something I think they're gonna lean more into in season two. I would expect a lot more supernatural stuff. Oh, yeah. Because they have been quite reserved with it up to now. Maybe to keep me guessing whether it is like a supernatural. But certainly, I mean, jumping ahead to a future episode, but certainly what happens to Laura Lee, that that's definitely feels like something supernatural going on. Yeah. Belief for a few different things. So it would make yeah. sense, you know, that, that that is the case. And Showtime hmm. did also just say you know, or one of the lines in the trailer was the darkness, we brought it back with us. So like there is the sense yeah. of like something like to your point of supernatural, this darkness or whatever it is. Supernatural passed on to her from her nana. And then it's possible then she because there's this theory that she might have passed it on to Sammy then. Yeah. That's another possibility. Because mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's a future episode, but it, there's some debate over what, what happens with Sammy and Teresa, whether it's Teresa doing it or maybe she's passed on her thing to Sammy and it's actually him doing it. Um, so almost like hereditary sort of thing. Which And something we've talked about too is when they have that scene where they film Sammy in the back seat of the car before the crash in that in that same future episode where Lottie's a child in the back seat. Like there's definitely yeah. a correlation of like the child who's some kind of a seer in some capacity and Sammy's like the next the next generation Lottie or whatever. But um it does seem likely that it's either hereditary or environment because there's some stuff mm. going on with Sammy, maybe a combination of both. But I yeah. think the show is lending itself towards suggesting, you know, it could be something passed on. Mm-hmm. Of it, like this feels like a very horror centric style episode. You get a bit of a survival horror feel with them going on this hike, different things happening to them. One scene that that's really painful to watch is when the coach has the inset attack his wound. That's ouch. That's like a, that really is. And yeah. Yeah. Very Poor coach Ben. Well. Poor coach Ben. And, you know, one line I liked just off subject earlier when Misty was like, take off your shirt, I'll squirt you. Like, <laughs> could we get any, like, poor coach Ben. Like, between the insects eating him and Misty wanting to, like, squirt him, I mean, it's it's a rough time for him out there. Yeah. No, no, it really is. And, and yeah, the actress playing young Misty is, like, spot on as well. That's, She's so great. That's one way you can tell. Yeah, that that's that's the same person. That that's the person who grew up to be that other person. So quite gothic, with the scene in the attic. But I also like how it it cuts between the three different timelines in that scene in the attic. So you literally see Teresa at three different points. So going up to the coffin, 
and then the present Teresa who like steps on the the eyeball. Um, oh, Manny's eye. That was really creepy. Yeah. Mirrored with the grandmother funeral eye situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but but that's yeah, that's really good direction. The way it, it like builds to all three, and you're following it along sort of parallel. How do you think that doll ended up that way? That's a good question. All smashed. Mm. Takes the doll from her son. She takes it and she puts it up on top of like some piece of furniture in their living room. And you don't see it again. And the next the next scene where you see it is when she wakes up on the couch. And for some reason she goes down into the basement. And that's where she finds the doll smashed on the floor. So I was thinking she destroyed it in like one of her fugue states. That's really what would make the most sense to me, I feel like. Or yeah. the dog. Like maybe Biscuit could have destroyed yeah. it, but but how would Biscuit have got it off the piece of furniture? I mean, yeah. I don't I don't think that logistically could even work. No. That we see in the basement. So there's yeah. definitely some significance to that like one eye missing. And Leonard, the teddy bear, had an eye missing too, right? Like there's a yeah. lot of like eye stuff. Yeah. The eyes on the trees. I don't know. Lots of lots of eyes. Yeah, lots there of- are. Yeah. And and another, and this is more tenuous link, but Shauna has that line about motherfucking eyes being everywhere. So that's <laughs> yes. that's another use of eyes. So <laughs> if you're really reaching, you could say that's another link. But that's yeah, so true. yeah. eyes wa- eyes watching you everywhere. So. And the grandma says, "Don't let him take my eyes," as well. Yes, about yeah. the Michael Jackson guy. So. Yeah, Michael Jackson guy. <laughs> Michael, eyeless Michael Jackson. I don't know. That's what I call him. Dude with like Jackie and with Taisha. That sort of built because it's almost like I think there is a pecking order thing going on with them where they both are kind of seen as like the two leaders of the team. And one of the things I quite like about the contrast between them in this location compared to you know back home is i think jackie no longer has the same sort of power and and that's been like reversed and we see in another episode how shona is more in her element out here and like she's more like the survivalist and yeah suddenly jackie doesn't yeah feels a bit out of place which is interesting we had talked to a mental health professional about the, some of the trauma in Yellow Jackets before, and one of her suggestions was that girls who hadn't undergone like any major issues or trauma in their lives back in reality had a much harder time out there than the ones who've like dealt with some sort of adversity before. So mm. Shauna is more in her element. She's dealt with like her parents getting divorced, like some other stuff. But Jackie, on the other hand, she's had this kind of idyllic life and yep. you know she doesn't know what to do in the woods and when shauna votes against her then shauna has to like circle back to jackie and try to like here's an extra blanket you know yep. i need my best friend i'm really <laughs> scared like trying to kind of make it better that she voted against her to go to the yep. lake in the first place and and that's like the first time like you said you know jackie's diminishing out in the wilderness yeah because it really bothers her that they vote against her like, you can tell yeah. that it bothers her. 
she when they get to that cabin and she opens that food and it's all spoiled and she throws it on the ground and she's like we should have stayed by the plane like van is van was like well we didn't so like what good is that gonna do like get over it like she she was definitely bothered by the fact that people didn't want to do what she wanted to do quite complex i think quite She's not just the stereotypical queen bee. I think there's a lot more to her than that. So I agree. That's something I like. Showing the plot in the present, tending to be with Homeland Security, is <laughs> the best shown the scene in this episode. It's <laughs> hilarious. I love that. Yeah, that was <laughs> funny. Yeah, just to come off spare of the moment with that was really great. And, and also the so reception unconvincing. Is great as well. Like, yeah. Yes. The receptionist yes. isn't taking any crap from her paper. He's <laughs> like, I've seen this routine before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but. and again, like Adam just showing up right at that exact time is is strange. Like, is he stalking her? Does he just happen to be there? What are the odds? Like, he makes it seem like, oh, it was meant it's to be. It's long odds, and- isn't it? You know, and he drops the Kurt Vonnegut quote, too, right? He says to her, too, he says to her, my studio space is down the street, and this place makes a classic martini. He was not an actual artist. (laughs) Like, he did not have an actual studio. So, that was a lie. (laughs) Yes. Who goes to a hotel lobby just for, for like, a martini or, or a drink of any kind you know you would naturally go to like a bar or a coffee house or yeah there's so many holes in what he says you're in a bigger city the likelihood of you just randomly showing up in the same place as someone like that someone you've had previous with is is very unlikely did at least look into her and then in general the story so maybe just taking a shine to her, he, he did become a little bit stalkerish or a little bit curious. Um, like obviously, definitely in this episode, it plays him up as a, a bit of a red herring. Connected, you know, he shows up at the same hotel where Jeff and Bianca were. Like later on in another episode, he shows up at their house at like four a.m. I mean. Could they be connected? Could, like, Jeff have been working with Adam in some weird way? I don't know. Like, probably not. But the fact that they're both in the same place at the same time, I don't know. I mean, is he stalking Shauna or is he working with Jeff? Sort of a reading on it. Then he was at the very least, like, stalking her to an extent and had, like, researched her background. Because otherwise there's just too many question marks and... I mean, he clearly look. We know he looks into her just based off of like a later episode when she goes to his apartment. She finds a book about mm. the yellow jackets in his apartment. So whether he looked into her after they had their little accident or like before they had their accident, like did he know about her before they ever even had that accident? And then he realized who she was or did he just look into her after the accident and then realize like, oh, she's a part of this, like, she's a yellow jacket, she's famous kind of thing. Of his motive could have been that idea of, yeah, almost seeking fame in a way, like just being associated with someone like that. 
Vonnegut quote, we are what we pretend to be. So we must be careful what we pretend to be. And I think that, you know, is either a red herring or it's very telling. And he's totally like pretending to be somebody else. And he's actually part of the cult, not Javi, but maybe part of the cult. <laughs> yeah. And it's possible, even though he's now out of the picture it's possible we'll still maybe find out a little bit more about adam in a future episode it's a really strong episode and i would say from the opening three i think this is my favorite of the opening three um it's a really good one for toisha mm-hmm. and as i said there's some good directions some good like horror type scenes it's not my favorite of the season. That's still to come. Sadder every time I watch it, like when Natalie discovers Travis at the end, because Aww. she's just like so devastated and so mm-hmm. broken by that. Like every time I watch, it, I just feel worse for her than I did before. And yeah. you can see Misty has some like genuine concern for Nat too. Like she's not faking that. Like you can tell when Misty's kind of faking, but she's like, whoa, like, you know, you don't want to see this. Are you okay? Like, she seems to be very genuine when helping Nat, like, deal with that discovery a little bit, too. So that just kind of shows, like, Misty does care in her own way, even if she had something to do with it. You know, she still cares about Nat. (laughs) Attachment to this girl dating back many years at this point. So it's hard to sort of switch that off no matter what you may be up to dialogue in there too i pulled a few of the quotes i liked also the the caligula hasn't u- you learned to use the phone yeah. yet one is is like one of my favorites i think that's hilarious um i absolutely love that quote and then you know just one more reference to the thaisa driven episode when she says you know um, i'm different than what people expect and it scares them but whatever they say about me i hope you know it isn't true and then, you know, Sammy says, you're not the bad one. I feel like there's just so much to that mm. scene and that line of dialogue. You know, is she the bad one? If she is, she sure doesn't know it, you know. Um, so I, I think there's there's a lot of good dialogue in this episode. When people do bad things, they should be punished for them, right? Is another Thaisa line that she says to Sammy. And he says yes. Like, he agrees with her that you need to be punished when you do things wrong. So I think that was him admitting that he knew what he did at the park was wrong, but Mm. he's also so confused because his mom is doing all these things that are not okay. And like, she's not taking responsibility for them and like, they're putting the blame on him and he doesn't understand why. And like, he can't even be honest because nobody's going to believe him. It's a tough spot to be in for Sammy. Yeah, I feel so bad for that kid. It's really good. Yeah. Like that stood out to me. I was rewatching the episode earlier and very good because it's very hard to find really good child actors. And that that was a great bit of casting. Um, Yeah. And it's also interesting, I think, the racial aspects with Tyresa because they definitely dig into race this season with her character and like probably commenting on not just the general life of you know a person of color but i mean also i think someone running to wanting to run for office you know 
you've got twice the hurdle, really. Think of the title of this episode, The Dollhouse. Do you see it as like a microcosm of their life in the cabin? Or do you think it's like geared more towards like, like Thaisa's life and the way that it's kind of laid out to be this like, you know, great life, but maybe things aren't always as they seem or I don't know. What do, what do you think about The Dollhouse, the name? I naturally went to it was them in the cabin and I think partly because they're like so young and vulnerable as well and yeah but I naturally went to that but you could definitely read it as either way. I went with that too. Yeah. I love the naming of the episodes it's always interesting to discuss I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because in this case, you do have to think about why it's called Dollhouse. And I I like stuff like that. It's like someone's playing with them, right? Like they're toys of somebody or something out there. Well, also, like some of the episodes, like they say the title in the episode. Like they say F sharp and F sharp because Laura Lee um, tells them that she was trying to play the piano and the key that she was pressing wrong was f sharp okay so she That's just cool. said f sharp f sharp and in the fourth episode which is called bear down miss details coach ben to bear down when he's trying to go to the bathroom in the woods that's right <laughs> there's a couple there's a couple other ones too but those are just like the two off the top of my head that i can like and think doom of. coming doom coming definitely and blood hive blood hive too Yes. Yeah. I, I, I actually I don't know why this made me chuckle, but I, I sort of like Misty's line about I, I don't like awkward sciences because they make me feel awkward. It's <laughs> just it's just a very simple line, but for some reason it made me laugh, sort of thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love yeah. that one too. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of like episodes, like do you have a favorite episode from this of season? Course. Of course, yeah. It's Doom Coming for me. I love Doom okay. Coming. I love yeah, Doom that's Coming. my favorite too. Yeah, I think that is my favorite. Yeah, and I don't think it was first time around. Like, because obviously that sort of they're all high trippy sort of episode. Yeah, you don't always get into them first time around, but second time around. Yeah, it was just so suspenseful and moody and like. It's like how much of this is supernatural stuff driving it, how much is it just their natural states, and just how far it went with it I thought was really effective. And you had a good mix of light and dark in that episode. So the Halloween episode I like because it's always good to have a Halloween-themed episode and, yeah, brings a bit of personality. So that's cool. Yes, that was a good one. The Daria line and then Cal yeah. wearing Jackie's <laughs> costume or uniform. I thought that was that was a good one. I think is the Antler Queen and Pit Girl. Do you have any thoughts on that? I always like to ask people. It's Lottie, or do you think that they like pass the antlers? Yeah, I'm sticking with Lottie. I think I think it could be her. Um but I do I do have like suspect or or feelings towards like either Teresa or 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 maybe Shona as like a dark horse, maybe. Yeah. Um, just because I think they feel like the sort of characters who their personalities, you would think they're the least likely to be involved in stuff like that and to have that stuff. So 
I think they're definitely ones to watch. I agree. Maybe Teresa, especially, I feel. Because I think with Shona, we've seen examples of her acting out and rebelling already in the first season. And and obviously, Teresa has sort of kept a lot of that under wraps. So I feel there may be something else with her as well. And what but about Pit, Pit Girl? What do you think? Maybe a character who we haven't seen that much of because... You obviously get the ones that are focused mainly, and then there are others in the group who haven't been so much. So I wonder if that could be Pit Girl. We'll have to see. In our review of Yellow Jackets Season 1, Episode 3, The Dollhouse. Lots for you guys to discuss and for you guys to comment on in the comments section. Like and subscribe as always. You can share me out on social media. There's a patron, patron.com slash board now. And I guess if you guys want to promote anything, any up- upcoming episodes before you go, before we go. Thank you. Yeah, we are at yellowjacketshive.com. We've got all of our episodes there. And uh, Emily, we've got some really fun content planned. We have an exciting interview with a cast member coming up that will air at a later date. And uh, we're in talks with some other cast members to come on. So we are pretty excited. Emily, what do you think is your favorite episode that we've done so far? Which one do you think is is your favorite? I really liked the symbol episode a lot. And when we had um, Ro come on, she was great. Yes, we did have an episode. We talked about the Yellow Jackets characters as fairy tale archetypes. That was great. And I mm. agree, the symbol was probably my favorite, both at yellowjacketshive.com. Check them out. And um, Keith, we can't thank you enough for having us on to talk with you about episode three. Maybe we could do it again sometime. Yeah, we'll definitely do this again. This is a a nice little team up and should get both channels out to a few more viewers. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. And we'll see you guys again soon. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye.